Brittany Hoffman. And I'm Madeline Fitz. Welcome to Shifting Ears, the internal podcast that we're starting here at Valley Metro. Talking about all things transit, transportation, and everything you need to know about the agency, behind the scenes, and some upfront stuff you may not know about. Maddie, you and I in the transportation world, I think we can call ourselves newbies. I've been here for two and a half years. You've been here for a year and a half. And just in that time, I know I've learned so much. The biggest takeaway for me is how things constantly evolve and change. When I started here, I got a full speedy course on all things rail because the railversary was coming. And so learning everything light rail was so exciting to flip one year later and then have an election about the light rail. I think for me, the constant evolving and changing and new things to learn and explore has been a period of growth. And it's exciting to think about what the future means. So it seems like a theme that we keep talking about on a lot of our episodes is about how quickly the valley is changing and more specifically how transit and transportation are changing to keep up. We've certainly seen our fair share of change in just the past couple of years, but we actually sat down and talked with someone who's seen all kinds of change in the last several decades working at Valley Metro and in and around the transportation industry here in Phoenix. We are talking about Wolf Grote. We are so excited that we got to speak with him and just kind of pick his brain to see all the knowledge that he has for transportation, not just in the Valley, but across the board over the past few decades that he's worked in transportation. As we're recording this, an election has just taken place in our state and our country. And it's kind of good timing because we talked a lot with Wolf about elections that have shaped the transit industry and our transit system here in Phoenix and across the metro area. So it was kind of interesting to hear what that's been like historically through a number of years. The valley is growing exponentially, and we have to look towards our leaders of the past to find out how we can grow in the future. We hope that you enjoy our interview with Wolf Grote and learn as much as we did. My name is Wolf Grote. I'm the Director of Capital and Service Development for Valley Metro. When Valley Metro first started, for the first 18 months or so, I was the first acting executive director for Valley Metro Rail. But I was a City of Phoenix employee at the time. Then in 2008, I officially retired from the City of Phoenix, and I went home being a retired City employee. And the next morning, I came back to work as a Valley Metro employee with the same desk, the same employees, and the same business card, just a different paycheck. Before you were working for the city of Phoenix, were you working in transit before that 1996 job? I was working with the city of Phoenix all the way back to 1985. We had a total of, I think, 13 employees working in public transit in the Valley. There was no RPTA at that point and the other cities didn't have their transit kingdoms built up yet. Everything came through the city of Phoenix. The city of Phoenix provided all public transportation in the valley, but it was quite frankly, very, very minimal at that time. We didn't have Sunday service. We hardly had service on Saturdays. Service ended maybe seven or 8 p.m. on weekdays. And uh, the people who were using transit were mainly the people who had to rely on transit. We really didn't have a lot of other riders. So it was a very different time. So you've seen transit pretty much glow up in the Valley. Did you imagine this happening when you first got that job in the 80s? Did you imagine the growth and expansion that you've seen? 
I'll be honest, at that time, there was very little talk about public transportation. There were a lot more people that laughed than took it seriously. And it, it took a lot of time to get people warmed up to the fact that we needed more in this valley than just automobiles to get people around. Well, I guess the joke's on them now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can say. Yeah. I was the only employee working on rail, and I had an administrative assistant at the time that was assisting me, but we didn't have any other employees working on the rail program at all. Um, we had a consultant that we hired uh, at the city of Phoenix at the time, and they started to help us a little bit in doing some planning. But, you know, I guess I could say as far as being a rail employee, I was employee number one. Now, were there successes and failures that you saw from the Valtrans plan that had previously obviously did not go through? Did you have learning lessons from that experience to produce the light rail as it is now? Yeah, Valtrans went down in flames in 1989. It was 103 miles of elevated rail system. It had a 27-mile busway as a quadrupling of bus fleet. And it was too much too soon for the community to grasp. We learned at that time that we had to take it in smaller bites and move things more gradually towards a larger system. But when they saw the dollar figures, that's all they latched onto. We also had another attempt beyond Valtrans that would have also have expanded the transit system within the city of Phoenix only at that time. And that one failed by the closest margin in Phoenix election history, which was, I think, I believe 123 votes. Believe it or not, it was the city of Tempe that really started to get us on the map for expanding public transportation. And when Phoenix passed its vote in 2000, between the Phoenix tax and the Tempe tax is what really got our transit system on the map, particularly with the Federal Transit Administration. It sounds like RPTA was formed kind of in the midst of all of these funding measures. The RPTA was created in 1985, shortly after I came here. And the main purpose of the RPTA at that time was to have this subsequent regional vote, and it was to develop a plan for that vote. The operation of a skeletal bus operation was kind of a secondary element of the original plan. The focus of Prop 300 in 1985 was primarily to build out the region's freeway system. How did you guys decide that RPTA would be a collaboration of all these different member cities versus other transit agencies and regional transit authorities that kind of have their own autonomous decision-making process? Believe it or not, at that time, the city of Phoenix was anxious to get out of the transit business and they were looking to move transit to the RPTA as a regional authority. Had the sales tax passed in 1989, the city of Phoenix would have taken all of their transit and moved it over to the RPTA. All of the funding for public transportation came out of their general fund, and it was competing with fire and police and all these other things. So they were looking to see a regional sales tax in place so that they could then move the city transit operation over to the regional authority. And that was really the intent at that time. The second thing that happened was the creation of Valley Metro Rail, which came much later. And the purpose behind Valley Metro Rail was to create an agency that would plan, design, build, and operate a light rail line. And it was really a pay-to-play organization. Phoenix, Tempe, Mesa, 
and Glendale were the original four members of the Valley Metro Rail Organization. That agency was created as a result of a lot of conversation with the Federal Transit Administration, who wanted to make sure that there was a focal point for the rail development program. It took about two years to put the organization together. And the one thing that took the most time was how much vote the city of Phoenix would get, whether they would get 50% or 51% or 49%. And as it turns out, Phoenix ended up with 50% of the vote so that nothing could be built without Phoenix, but Phoenix couldn't do anything on their own. Since a lot of us at Valley Metro might not really even understand the ins and outs, could you explain a little bit about how funding works with all these different cities involved in our agency? There's a lot of ways that we get our funds. Obviously, we get some of our funds from the regional sales tax but we also get a lot of funds from the individual cities and their local sales taxes. And so we get a big mix of regional and local funds. And for our capital projects, we rely a lot on the Federal Transit Administration as well. And actually with some other federal funds, 40 to 50% of our capital projects come from the federal government. So We've worked over the years to build a real strong relationship with the federal government so that uh, they like us enough to send us money. So I know that a lot of us are thinking about the Prop 400 extension that we're hoping will go out to the voters and hopefully be approved. So will you talk a little bit about what that process looks like and how the proposition actually gets written, kind of all the nitty gritty stuff? The development of the transportation plan for the Prop 400 extension is really being led by MAG, the Maricopa Association of Governments. So the majority of the planning is happening around the regional council table, which is also all of the cities and their elected officials making the decision about how future transportation tax should be spent. And that'll, again, be a combination of highways, transit, and other transportation modes that will be part of that. MAG has asked all of the cities around the valley to provide their thoughts about what is most important to their cities. And we are reviewing the transit part. You know, we had 300 some odd transit proposals that were submitted. And I think there was 1,300 proposals overall with highways and streets and everything else. So MAG has asked us to provide assistance in trying to understand how all those pieces fit together. And that's where we are right now. So it's a process still moving forward. And eventually there will be a plan that will be adopted by MAG. And then it'll be put before the voters. We don't know what the percentage sales tax will be. So it's going to be very interesting to see what level of funding the cities will all agree on should go to the voters probably sometime in the next couple of years. So, Wolf, we've seen, obviously, the transit improvements that have happened through the passing of these props before. And so I don't want to be dismal, but what is at stake if there's no extension? What happens to transit? The regional sales tax ends at the end of 2025, so a significant level of operating funds for our bus system will go away. Now, the cities still have some funds, but there'll be some tough decisions about what kinds of services can continue if there's no regional sales tax. When I moved here, our population in the Valley was one and a half million people. And I think right now we're pushing about five million people here. So as fast as we are growing, It's very hard to keep up when we've had an underinvestment in public transportation for so many decades. 
That was interesting thinking about the contrast between Valtrans, which you described as going down in flames. And last summer, of course, we all remember the Prop 105 election. Looking at those two different votes and comparing them with one another, it seems like the story has really flipped. Oh, definitely. I think once people actually saw what we were doing, they really understood what transit could do. People started to jump on board and really support the programs that we've got going. And I think people understand the benefits of light rail, not just the rider benefits, but the economic development benefits to the region. And you know, while it was a challenge for us to get through that, it really demonstrated that people in this valley really appreciate the transit investments that we're making. But to look towards the future, I think there's still a lot of opportunity to expand our public transportation system here in the Valley. Our bus system needs significant improvements. Our rail system needs improvements. We need to be looking towards other technologies such as microtransit to fill in the gaps. There's a lot of room for improvement and growth. Now the question is, are the voters going to stand behind us and help us to pay for those improvements into the future? The highlight of my career actually occurred two weeks before we opened our first light rail line. Our then operating director and I had a conversation. I said, you know, the one thing I would really like to do, I want to be able to drive the train. I've done everything else. I've been planning, I've been designing, I've been construction, but I haven't been involved in the operating side. I would love to operate this train. So for Sunday morning, two weeks before we opened, he said, come on down to the, the rail yard. We can set you up, you can drive the train. And we did, we drove all the way up to 19th Avenue in Montebello through downtown Phoenix. To me, that was the highlight of my career, actually being able to drive the train that I had spent so many years in developing. Well, you literally have done it all. I hope you took a lot of pictures. Yeah, hopefully nobody gets me in trouble over that. But I have to tell you, <laughs> the guy who was uh, with me in the cab had all the credentials to be able to operate that train. Would I be able to do that again today? Probably not. But at the time, it was great. <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed listening to our interview with Wolf and learned a lot. And maybe the next time you're riding the light rail, you can look up into that cab and picture him driving the train. Doesn't that sound like a personal goal, though, Maddie? Like if Wolf got to drive a train, don't you want to drive a train? Uh, absolutely. Maybe I should say I want to drive the streetcar because then I'll be really moving into uncharted territory. Ooh. <laughs> Something to aspire to for sure. Yes. Put it on the bucket list. And before we wrap up today, I want to give a little shout out to Samantha Hacker, who sent a great idea for a future episode that we are going to get started on soon. What's the idea, Maddie? Well, she thought it would be great if we told the story of GIS maps and how those are made, specifically by two of our colleagues, Jeff Wilkerson and Peter Valenzuela, who are both planners. If you have any other topics that you're excited about and want to hear on the Valley Metro Shifting Ears podcast, email us at podcast at valleymetro.org. For Valley Metro, I'm Madeline. I'm Brittany. Thanks for riding with us. Meet you at the next stop.